The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. So here we go again. Alabama leads in certain things that the rest of the nation follows. Yesterday, May 1st, the Alabama House passed a bill that, in essence, annihilates abortion. It's the toughest law ever been passed by one of the states. Other states are trying to do things. Alabama wants to counter what's going on in New York because they're saying they could do abortions even after the birth of the baby. We attribute this to Our Lady in many ways because she appeared here and what's taking place. We've talked last week about Boston, what broke there because Our Lady appears there every day with Yvonne. And so there's a result in seeing Alabama what Our Lady's done here. We felt that for a long time. It is the most biblical place in the United States of America, according to a Pew survey. So there's a lot to say about that, a lot to say about Our Lady. But this bill was not just passed to stop the abortion. It was done to be defiant against Roe versus Wade. The vote was 74 to 3. So almost nobody opposed it. 
The one who did oppose it was a Democrat who was Louise Alexander. He challenged it, saying, nobody knows what a woman goes through. I know you don't because you're not a woman. You don't know why I want to have an abortion. It could be because of my health. It could be for many reasons. My choice is just as important. I just want to say one thing until all of you walk in a woman's shoes. Y'all don't know. So this overwhelmingly was one into a bill in the House. But its purpose really is to challenge and the Supreme Court Roe versus Wade because we already have some strong restrictions on abortion now in Alabama. But what I want to bring up to you is there was another representative named John Rogers who represents Jefferson County, which is where Birmingham, Alabama is, where you will have more people for abortion. And we got a clip of what he's saying. And it's pretty astounding. These kinds of people don't represent Alabama. And he's only one of three that voice this insane, crazy, all the above you can say about it. Here's this clip. All I'm saying to you, it ought to be a woman's choice. I'm not about to be as a male tell a woman what to do with her body. She has the right to make that decision herself. To rape her inset. Some kids are unwanted. So you kill them now, kill them later. You, you bring them in the world unwanted, unloved. You send them to the chair. So you kill them now, or kill them later. But the bottom line is that I think we should be making this decision. Wow, what's such wisdom? They're going to kill them anyway. And lecture chair, let's just kill them now. They're crazy, beyond, insane. But also he's saying from a perspective that he's admitting that a woman who would have an abortion is going to raise a killer anyway, or a criminal. And there's stats that support that. Not that we support what he's saying, but there is a truth in this. You would think you would never hear somebody say this. He said, quote, some kids are unwanted, so you kill them now or you kill them later. You bring them into the world unwanted, unloved, you send them to the electric chair, so you kill them now or you kill them later. That's the bottom line. Amazing. But let's dissect this. Let's understand this in another way. The Bible relates to us that all evil works toward good for those who love God. We literally have babies in heaven that had they were been born, that would be in hell. Every aborted baby has made it to the light. Our lady said that. She was asked by Mariana, I think it was, about the babies who are aborted. She says, they are with me. So the good out of this great evil is that these people, what this wicked man said yesterday, kill them now or kill them later, which is wrong. There is something that we have to look at from another point, that these people who do these things will be raising troubled monsters. I'm not saying that is justification. I'm not saying he's right. But from his perspective, he says something that works toward good even though it's evil, and we can never be for it. And our read relates this today. This is taken from the book called Freakonomics by a Stephen Levitt and a Stephen Dupner. What sort of woman was most likely to take advantage of the Roe versus Wade? Very often she was unmarried 
or in her teens, or poor, and sometimes all three. What sort of future might her child have had? One study has shown that the typical child who went unborn in the earliest years of legalized abortion would have been 50% more likely than average to live in poverty. He would have also been 60% more likely to grow up with just one parent. These two factors, childhood poverty and a single-parent household, are among the strongest predictors that a child will have a criminal future. Growing up in a single-parent home roughly doubles a child's propensity to commit crime. So does having a teenage mother. Another study has shown that low maternal education is the single most powerful factor leading to criminality. In other words, the very factors that drove millions of American women to have an abortion also seem to predict that their children, had they been born, would have led unhappy and possibly criminal lives. To be sure, the legalization of abortion in the United States had a maraud of consequences. Infanticide fell dramatically. So did shotgun marriages, as well as the number of babies put up for adoption, which has led to the boom in the adoption of foreign babies. Conceptions rose by nearly 30%, but births actually fell by 6%, indicating that many women were using abortion as a method of birth control, a crude and drastic sort of insurance policy. What was just read says, Another study has shown that low maternal education is the single most powerful factor leading to criminality. This shows maternal need of a child and lack of education raises up children who they themselves will repeat the errors of the mother. It said maternal. It didn't say fatherly. This points to the problem today is in womanhood. We've talked about this forever. How to change your husband is about that. It's in the woman's hands. You say, what does the guy have to do with it? If she wasn't in consent, this wouldn't be taking place. So can we say this is a blessing in disguise? No. We can't put it in that context, but we can have a perspective of this, that God is populating heaven with these people, because even if they're raised that way, they're going to put them in a path that loses their soul. And so this Rogers guy sits there and says, by being born, you send them to the electric chair so you can kill them now or you can kill them later. Amazing the mentalities we have. But let me tell you something else about John Rogers, who said this. He goes and is a member of St. Mary's Catholic Church. So see, this is as much as a church problem as it is a people problem. And we've changed the roles of the genders, what a husband's supposed to be, a father is supposed to be, and the family's wrecked. And this is the fruit of all these things. And many people who have nothing to do with abortion physically, but they have contributed to it. Divorce contributes to this factor. We all have to look at ourselves in a lot of ways. My point I'm getting to is, thank God we're going now to the Supreme Court with this law for things to change. But nothing's going to change if the desire is still in the heart of the maternal mother who wished she could kill her child. Because if you have it in your heart, it's the same thing as physically doing the act. So other religions say don't do the act. Christianity teaches 
Not just don't do the act, don't have it in your heart. For if you have it in your heart, then you commit it. So this evil, evil sin has a whole nother side to it. And thanks to John Rogers, the Catholic who needs to be excommunicated out of the church. So the purpose of the week is pastors not doing anything about it. And we have these kinds of things being said. We're going to go to Medjugorje Live at this time, where we're going to speak to one of our community members. We now have the Mission House open full-time for the season. We also have a pilgrimage group there. And being in Medjugorje and the Mission House, we have many people who come in and speak to us from around the world, the different issues that are taking place in their country. And just as a friend of Medjugorje is speaking today about what's taking place with abortion, there are many people particularly from Ireland, have come in and have spoken about the difficulties that their country is going through right now, especially with the last two referendums. One of our community members spoke to a couple of Irish women the other day, and she's going to give us a recap of what that discussion was. Hi from Medjugorje. We are definitely have had a lot of traffic since the Mission House has been opened and just to jump into what Fenda Medjugorje is talking about today, as far as the abortion, we had an Irish woman come in yesterday afternoon, and she had been speaking out about the Irish, the recent Irish referendum, believe, about abortion. So she was relaying to me some of the stories from that country, and she began with one that had happened in her own town, Amnesty International had set up a table there, and they were trying to raise funding for women in this other impoverished country. But she wanted to know what they were there for, so she went up to the table and just asked one of the young girls there, what is Amnesty International about? What do you do? And the girl wasn't sure how to respond, and she said, well, what do you mean? And so the woman said, well, what do you stand for? Do you stand for life? And the Amnesty International young girl said, what? And then she stood up and yelled at this woman, this Irish woman, and said, get away from here, leave here, leave this place, get away. And she's hollering at the top of her lungs, telling this woman to get away, shouting that this woman is against abortion. This woman's against abortion. Get away, get out of here. So the Irish woman stays there and says to this young girl, she says, this is my country, this is my town, and this is my street, and I'm not going anywhere. So another, all the Amnesty International volunteers are all watching this scene unfold, and another older volunteer comes over and again comes to this Irish woman and says to her, are you aware that how many of your country women leave Ireland and go to England every year to have abortions. And it was kind of a last jab at her to prove their point. And so the woman left, but she was shaken to have experienced this in her own town. And it's a whole new wave of people that have come into Ireland, which I'll get to. She had another story about that, but she was shaken. So she reached out to one of her good friends to explain what had just happened to her. And the friend relayed a similar story she had had with an Indian man who was there in their town who was maybe conducting some kind of surveys and with people walking by and he asked her friend her name and so she gave the Indian man her first name and 
he said, well, that's not your full name. And she says, I don't have to give you my full name. You're a stranger to me, and I don't have to give you my full name. And he raises his voice to her and says, I've lived in this country for five years. I'm Irish. And she responded to him, my people have been in this country for 5,000 years. So you have a little bit of catching up to do. So where this was going with the next story, she said, you know, 20 years ago, we saw what was happening in Germany with the migrants coming in, the Muslims coming in to Germany. She said, I never would have thought that would happen to my country, but my country is no longer my country, basically. And she said, my town has been labeled a sanctuary city. She said, I didn't know that. They never told us. They never announced it. I happened to grab an article. I never read a newspaper. And it was printed in fine print at the bottom of it that my town is now a sanctuary city. She says, we see it. We feel it. You can't say anything against people or you're called a racist or it's hate speech. She says everything has to be peace, peace, peace. And she says the bishops are silent about abortion, about the abomination, abominable foster union, masses marriage referendums. There's The bishops are silent. And she says any priest that speaks out once is sent out to some, basically Timbuktu, where he doesn't even have anybody to impact. The priests are squashed into silence. And I said, well, that's why Trump is building a wall. I mean, we see it here in America, coming through South America. Those aren't families. Those aren't women and children. Those are men. And she said exactly that it was men, young men, coming into our country, coming into Europe. I said, so that's why Trump is building the wall. And she says, Trump is fantastic. She says, but our newspapers are so censored by our media, who so strongly oppose Trump for what he's doing, that they spread incredible lies about Trump. So any of the Irish people who aren't seeking their own information are believing these lies about Trump. She said that a group of my friends, we are so supportive of Trump that we prayed strongly for his election, and what he's doing is what is very good for your nation, basically. And she went on to say... I brought up Muslims then as far as abomination and abominable marriage and, and what they're bringing into their nation and how the priests aren't speaking out about it. And she said, you know, they're teaching this in first grade. And so I said, well, I bet the Muslims aren't quiet about that because they don't teach that in their religion. And she says, oh, no. She says, it's the Catholics that are quiet. We're the Protestants. They're taught peace and all this just have to be peace, but she says the minute they passed that and started teaching that in our schools to first graders, she said the Muslims were out in their streets and they protested for three weeks, and at the end of three weeks, the school backed down and got it out of the curriculum. In describing how their town has been flooded, how their country has been flooded with migrants, she gave another story about walking down the street in her town and she saw a migrant screaming at an elderly woman in her 70s, an elderly Irish woman. And she said as she approached, the old woman was shaking, and the screaming was just escalating. And she asked, is everything here okay? And the migrant 
turned to her still screaming and said, this woman touched my car. This woman touched my car. I'm calling the police. She touched my car. She needs to be arrested. And so the Irish woman said, I slowly reached out my hand and put it on her car. And I said to this migrant, well, I've touched your car now too. Are you going to have me arrested? And she said she turned and started screaming at her as well, but that she was forced to leave. The elderly woman just thanked her. But the last story she relayed was their current prime minister of Ireland wasn't elected by the people. He was simply placed there. And he had been the minister of health previously and had run their health care into the ground. But she said that there are trolley cars filled with elderly people, elderly Irish people that are waiting to be seen in these healthcare facilities. She happened to need healthcare assistance. She went in one day and she was filling out her paperwork information and a migrant came straight up to the desk, didn't wait in line and said, I have a headache. I want an MRI. And she said he didn't have to fill out any paperwork Migrants that have come in our country, they get free health care, free jobs, free food. Uh, the Irish people don't even get, they get their homes taken away. Her sister lost her home, but the migrants come in and get anything they need. So the Irish people have no power because they're called racist if they stand up. The priests can't stand up. The Irish are attacked in their streets. So it was really uh, disturbing encounters because of where we are really in our country also as far as if Trump hadn't been elected and where we're facing with the border walls and all the issues. So that was what was news from Ireland. What does she feel the fate of the country is going to be? Did she relay that to you? She did. She said it's very difficult because they can't, the citizens who do understand what's going on can't speak out. And she relayed that there's something which I haven't researched or heard about, but she said there's something called Agenda 2040 that she's heard about that to do with a plan of migration into their nation, their country, that the Irish people by 2040 would become minorities. And she said, again, 20 years ago, she might not have believed that, but when she was watching Germany go through this migration, and she said, now it's rampant throughout Ireland. I said, well, soon they're going to change the laws and Sharia law, and she just said, well, we already have, we already are losing our voices, and they didn't even get to vote their prime minister in. He was just put there, placed there. So she says it's, and also she knows that the protection where the people are voting for abortion, they're voting for abominable false unions. She said it's just bad all over because there's, where is the hope? There You can't, there's no one, the priests are sent away if they speak out and help form the people, help strengthen the people. And then you have the Muslims that are there that are protesting, that are speaking out, that are gaining the power also with these refugees, and the Irish can't get jobs, they can't keep their houses if they don't have a job. The government is not intent on helping the Irish be successful. They're intent on helping the migrants that are pouring into their country still to be successful. Yeah, I've read about the Project Ireland 2040. Actually, listen to the verbiage, what it talks about. It says, Project Ireland 2040 has been enhancing regional connectivity and competitiveness Improving environmental sustainability and building a fairer 
more equal Ireland for everyone. This is how it comes on. It's a lie. Its purpose is to crush those who populate Ireland. And the population movement is going to be no Irish, basically, in 40, 50 years. And very few people will be speaking English. One thing this woman says, she's praying for Trump, which is a recognition that the United States is the nation that if we win, the world wins. If we lose, the whole world loses. And this goes back to everything about the consecrations, the Patriotic Rosary, everything we've been talking about. We are having an aggressive movement of darkness against the light right now. And these next two or three years, we're peeking out to the 40 years of apparitions. All this should say something. When you have to kill these babies now, kill them later. All this should shake you. And we've heard for years these stories about Ireland. I just recently had a nasty letter from an Irishman said, you said that Ireland is dead. He relayed that we don't want this neither. We fight. Yeah, but you're in a minority. And Ireland is dead. And it's dead because it's the first nation in the world that have voted even what the Roman Empire did not make legal. Or even Sodom. All these places, they didn't legalize it. They just did it. Ireland is the first nation in the world that's done this. We have to pray for Ireland. We have to pray for America. We have to pray for the whole world. Because these things have put us on a frightening path. Our Lady is not saying those who pray are not afraid of the future. Those who fast are not afraid of evil. If you don't do that, you'll be frightened. This woman who just relayed this to us is brave. She stands up. She's connected to Medjugorje. And her hope is not in Ireland, but it's in the United States of America. You are listening to Medjinomics. In just one moment, a friend of Medjugorje will conclude. First, we wish to share with you our global outreach. Caritas of Birmingham continues to be the largest Medjugorje center in the world. Medjinomics, which you are hearing now, is just one part of the multifaceted mission of Caritas. Our mission has many outreaches, which are supported by kind listeners like you. Thank you. The community of Caritas staffs the mission work, dedicating their lives for the salvation of the world. For nine months of the year, we live and work in the village of Medjugorje, sharing with pilgrims from all over the world the timeless messages of Our Lady, which are changing the world. We need your help to continue all of these works, especially our mission in the village of Medjugorje. We are asking that generous souls step forward to help fund this work. We are preparing new shipments of conversion materials to be sent to our mission house in Medjugorje and ask everyone to give any amount they can. The more that is given, the more we will be able to send and minister to people from our base in Medjugorje. Thank you on behalf of those who will be touched by God's grace and find peace and hope for their lives through our mission house in Medjugorje. For those wanting to make a tax-deductible donation, simply contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Outside of the United States, dial 001-205-672-2000. 
You can also donate online by visiting medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com, and click on Donate. When making your donation, please mention this broadcast and the Caritas Mission House Fund in Medjugorje. Thank you for your help. Now, here is a friend of Medjugorje to conclude today's Medjinomics broadcast. And so, we have to look at the seriousness of the world. We have a window, not just from Ireland, but from England, from Russia, from Poland, from Australia. People from all over the world come into our mission house. We need you to support it. We're the only place in Medjugorje that you can come and discuss what we just heard to people who can give them the messages, material, how to pray, how to break it, how to live it. There's no other place in Medjugorje. We're doing right now a fund drive to supply for the rest of the year free material through a container we'll send to Medjugorje. We ask that you support this. It's very important. And you're the hope for like this older Irish woman that she can cling to. They live by what we put out in that mission house. Nowhere else in Medjugorje can you do it. There's not any place you get what we give there. So we're praying for you. We need to be praying for a nation thereby praying for the whole world. Wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.